Hey, Pronosis, welcome back to the Printavo Pronosis podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. Very excited to have you back. And with another special guest, somehow Eric Solomon is back. Not sure why. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You invited me. You're right. You're right. You invited me at like nine o'clock last night, which I guess means <sighs> somebody dropped out. No, uh, we just didn't have anyone scheduled for some reason. We, we had a couple riff ideas, but then we were like, Eric's working on this really cool heat press auto thing that it would be really uh fun to talk about today and i i saw it's in your shop too fairy so i figured sure. this would be a really great combo um but real quick before we jump in so of course thank you for joining us i know you are busy you're running a, a, a crazy cooperation oh and i want to talk about um water-based camp which you guys just hosted sure but anyway um, we've got a couple quick sponsors to chat about, but first of all, Pronosis Conf this year, November 5th, 6th, and 7th, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, it's going to be great. We are securing the last few speakers, so we'll announce that soon. So we'll see you in Fort Worth, Texas. We've got a really cool theater there. Back in Texas. That we've rented. And uh, Brett showed me like pictures of the venue, and it's really cool. Like yes, it's at a rodeo theater. TV station. Like it's awesome. It's going to be, it's called Cowtown. Uh, yeah, it, it, and it looks Cowtown cool. Theater. It sounds like it's going to be fun. So good job. Thank you. Um, so we're going back blast. to Texas a bunch this year. Texas is the Texas is the state. It's like you live it's like there, California. I've, I've been hearing. Okay, it's <laughs> it's California without taxes. That's <laughs> fair. And a lot more heat sponsors. We've got first up, Mr. GraphX Source. Fair, you want to kick it off? Should we let Eric Wait, try to Eric, do his do you own blurb? Source, hold on. We do. Yeah. Okay. So do, do a uh, blurb of how you use GraphX source. Okay. If you like to be complimented all the time on how good your shop is and how great you are at business and GraphX source is for you, you can work with Nick Wood and Lucas. I forget his last name, but it doesn't matter because they're going to tell you how great you are. Uh, <laughs> GraphX is great <laughs> for helping uh, with your artwork overload. Uh, or, or workflow, um, as well as like any other weird VA tasks you may have. They're really good at that if you ask them. And they're going to compliment you all the time. Yep. I bet if I look through my phone, I have more compliments from Nick Wood than any other human. Now this that Nick true. lives in Texas, I get like weekly texts of just saying like, miss, miss some Eric and Val time, like constantly. Um, and they, uh, and to wrap it up, SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management, digitizing, uh, production hot art, stuff. all that good stuff. stuff. Graphics. Yep, You'll see them at Pronosis Conf as well. That'd be able to hang out. Easy way. Do you, do you buy anything from easy way? Easy way chemicals? Are? Uh, we work with Alex on blue water labs, like on his reclaim units. And so because of that, we use some easy way stuff. Um, their team, not just Alex, but everyone I've ever met from easy way is so helpful and knowledgeable in screen reclamation and chemistry. Um, and also just if they come into your shop, they'll help you kind of identify ways that your, you know, your wet room, your dark room, those can all be improved. And I think that's a really helpful aspect of folks that know the industry that they're in. One time I wasn't in, I, I don't go to Champagne all the time, but I was down there and all of a sudden Alan was just there and he was working with our reclaim team. I was like, what's up, Alan? It was just totally out of the blue. So yep. easy way is the easiest way. They do a fantastic job. Um, thanks, easy way. 
Um, oh, this is very great. Multicraft. If you need ink supplies or a daddy, hit up Multicraft um, for ink supplies or a daddy. Uh, I don't know how many followers Dave has. I'm really proud. 448. Uh, he crossed the 420 mark. Um, and he's trying really hard on his Instagram. He's even part of the rise and grind gang. I've seen him doing like three mile runs and like, um, Heck so yeah, you, yeah you, you, good for you, Dave. I'm so proud of, proud of Dave and the team at Multicraft. They've been fantastic. And, uh, Monarch Inc has been the thing. If you need them, hit them up. Um, I believe there's a coupon. If I'm not mistaken, Bruce. There's a coupon. Pentavo, um, if you mention the Printavo podcast, you receive an uh, an extra ten percent off your first order. So Sweet. make sure to do that. Make sure to do that with Graphic Source too. And then, last but not least, because this actually transfers really well into what we're talking about here today a bit. But Supercolor, Eric, do you use Supercolor? We do. Um, I really like Supercolor. Um, I think that they make a superior like DTF or transfer product. I like the fact that they are using a hybrid model for, for their type of production, um, which I think gives you a superior product. Um, so yeah, I, I love it. It's great. Great stuff. Um, Supercolor has transformed, is, is transforming the industry and it's, it's allowing shops to heat transfer just more and more and more, which we're going to talk about today. Um, their transfers killer, their color gamut's awesome. They do use a water-based backing, um, which is, which really hasn't been seen in our industry before. Bruce and I got to go behind the scenes and see their facility. Um, there is a reason they are just crushing it. Um, and it's because it looks like a Tesla factory. Um, but if you need Supercolor, hit them up. Thanks so much, Rum and the team. We use them all the time. Thanks, Supercolor. Is there a coupon, Bruce? Yeah, there is. Printavo 15. Yep. Make sure to do use that to get 15% off your first order there too. I just got lunch with the Supercolor team last week. So that was really cool. They're just scaling the team a lot. They're like hiring VP level folks and, you know, just trying to go from that doing everything phase to, to trying to have a good management team. They just yeah. opened a second so, facility, correct? In Atlanta? They have facilities everywhere. I have no idea anymore. Well, I mean, they're, they're from, I think there's it's two. from New Zealand originally, right? Like that's right. where it started. And mm-hmm. then the first was LA. And then I think they opened a second one in California. And then I thought they opened one on the East Coast as well. I think Atlanta. There's one in the South for sure in Atlanta. And I believe there was one in the UK. Uh, wait, did you just say that? I don't know. Yeah, I, think I think there's yeah, one in the UK. So. Yeah. I can't keep and up with then, them. Yeah, just a lot. And, and these machines that that do all of the printing manufacturing are very expensive. Really That's why I was like, expensive. whoa, you guys are investing a lot. And we did that um, interview with them too. And they, how much did he say he invested? I think it was $7 million in the last year. That's, uh, a, that's a few heat presses. And, and like, yeah. I will say, and this is, this will get off on sort of a tangent, but we'll, we'll touch back on it, I'm sure. But it's really interesting the way that the the transfer technology has expanded um, in the past couple of years and really a lot of the production tools for transfers are like mind boggling, like having cameras that auto register, you know, your digital prints to your screen printed bases and stuff like it, it's awesome and stuff. I really hope um, 
I know it's being worked on, but I don't know how successful it will be because it may be cost prohibitive for the apparel space. But just seeing. Like, Wait, let, let's uh, let's actually this is OK to go down this because this is actually kind of cool. Okay. So Keep what is this, this stuff? Yeah. So I don't because I don't know much about it either. So basically, like I, I, I don't want to misspeak because I, I know how some processes are done, but maybe not necessarily super color. But basically, you have like a digital component. Right. And that's like printing the full color aspect. And then mm-hmm. I believe Supercolor is doing a, a version of this where they're screen printing a water-based adhesive or sometimes like a blocker base or even like a white base. Um, and the way that those are registered between fully digital printed sheets to having like the screen printed underbase on it, if you will, um, they basically print the digital, then they load it into a, a certain type of, of printer and the higher end versions, like there's a company from Italy. You can talk to Jeffrey Paul about this. He just bought like seven of them. Uh, there's a company from Italy called Eno, I-N-O. And they make these incredible machines where you take these basically digital printed PET films and you load them into this machine. And the machine has cameras on basically all four corners of where those sheets land. And it's registering the screen to the bullseye mark like automatically for you. So that's how you get that perfect registration. You can control like the way that your choke is set and and all that stuff. It's like, absolutely. and we're talking, I mean, these are million dollars a piece. Like when it's all said and done, yeah. um, it's, it's, these things are insane. Yeah. Um, but they work at a level so, of precision. That's just like, I mean, super high volume, super precise. So that aligns the digital print to the screen printed under base. Yeah. So it's perfect. And then that the choke is like as minimal as possible, which I remember Rum saying, like, we have the smallest, you know, choke around the edge. Yeah. And if, if you've ever used like else. Supercolor as well as like other like other transfers, that underbase or the adhesive that you'll see around it, like is sometimes called the halo. Um, and like mm-hmm. we found that Supercolor does a pretty good job of minimizing like that halo. Um, but as you get into larger uh, like larger clientele, you know, their guidelines are going to dictate how much of that halo you can actually see. It's like not so acceptable. Like, yeah. Like what's acceptable to, to us as a smaller, you know, smaller mid-sized company, um, you know, Lululemon may, may not accept that at all. And so these companies are continuing to push forward and figuring out how to print adhesive um, uh, and, and print these transfers on really difficult fabrics in ways that, again, it's just kind of mind-blowing when you really break it down. I think what we learned, and Jeffrey Paul has worked super closely with um, the Night Owl team and and has a lot of experience overseas, what he, like, really pushed into us is, like, the world is heat transferring so much more than, like, the states are, right? Like, when you talk about Lulu and Adidas and all these, they've been heat transferring. They are, like, almost exclusively heat transferring more than they are screen printing. Why do you think the U.S. is behind Right. Like when you go when you go overseas, heat transfer is just taking over. Why are we wouldn't you think like that's the lazy thing to do is heat transfer a bunch more? Yeah. You know, I've thought a lot about it. Um, I don't really know the answer to it, though, because it's it's complicated. I I do think that textile screen printing has such a low barrier of entry that there's so much information out there being shared. I know when we started to learn how to print transfers, uh, whether it be on paper or on PET film, um, there, there's no information available. Like that is like highly, highly secretive and guarded. Even to this day, I mean, 
I, I have an idea of the way that SEPA color kind of runs and like what equipment they use, but I don't know for sure. And I don't think it's necessarily like public knowledge. And it's not just them. It's other companies like Howard Transfers or, um, you know, even, I don't know, some of the older ones that have kind of come and gone. But that kind of technology was so safeguarded and secretive for so long um, that it wasn't, I think it was only controlled by, you know, key players here. Where in the hmm. rest of the world, my assumption is that it's, you know, with transfers, you can print sheets all day long and then, you know, use the dryer for the shortest amount of time. You don't have to keep the dryer on all day. You basically print, say you print 10,000 sheets, you stack them all, and then you run them through the dryer when they're all done. Um, so I feel like it uses less, like, resources, like less electricity, less gas, um, than traditional apparel screen printing. It's also, it's proven to be more versatile too. Right. You can do it on all sorts of garments and fabrics and, and, and hard goods and stuff. So like for those that don't know, if you don't follow Night Owl already, you're living under a rock, but you guys are exclusively of exclusively a water-based shop. You're also running, um, a, a rock hybrid as well. Yes. Um, and you guys are, are heavily invested in transfers, right? Like, but you're, and you're doing stuff for very big names, like super high detail. Do your clients care? Like, are they picky on like, I will take a transfer over. I want a digital print over. I want a water base. Like, how do you decide what you're going to sell them? And like, how picky do they get? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think over the years, we've made a, a name for ourselves more about quality than anything else. And so um, a lot of our customers, they come to us and really it's like, the method of decoration kind of doesn't matter. Like if we back it, then they're on board for it. Um, mm. We we prefer to screen print um, for a number of reasons. But, you know, if you have a customer that wants 15 or 20 full color prints, it doesn't make sense to set up 12 screens or um, even with the digital. The digital is a lot more complex than just setting up like one or two screens. So transfers have its place. Um we heavily dove into transfers because we do a lot of relabeling. So like private neck tags. And I really didn't like how um, screen printed like, like tags looked, um, although they are a little bit quicker to do. I just really didn't like the way that they looked and the way that they felt. And so we started exploring transfers really to understand how we can free up a press basically um and the kind of a, a an extra bonus of heat pressing those as i think that they they look and feel better as well so if you were to go into night owl the majority of like all neck tags are heat pressed basically yeah is that is that a standard yeah pretty much gotcha so and you get you guys even built this rig right where you like you connected like what a rapid tag to a heat press or something like yeah, what did yeah. you so we um we started is this on your Instagram? Yeah, uh, it was at one point. It probably still is, but it's probably like buried because it was like two years ago. Um, so we uh. we basically started on this like transfer journey probably about four years ago. Um, and it's right around the time that we started getting like heavily into actually like being full on like production water-based shop. And we were really kind of exploring all these things Um if we were taking on the plastic out of our shop, then that meant that we would have to screen print tags with water base, which like were, was totally fine. But you sort of lose that, um, you know, plastic you single stroke a tag and you're done with it. Well, with water base, like we were still double stroking everything. So there's more like time constraints with that. Um, 
But we started looking into what heat press options were out there. And we found a company that we really liked that made like a, a single head dual station one. And I really liked how that functioned. And so over time, I just started kind of like breaking it apart and understanding how it worked. And then we have this old like ASPE tagger that like was the very first generation. We actually won it in a contest that they had. Um, they had like something where it was like, you know, you enter your email address and you win. And I remember we had like a hundred different people enter for our company. And the guy specifically told me I went through and deleted every single one of your entries except the first one. And somehow you guys still won. Uh, so we, we have this like sitting around because he put in uh, he put in valid night owl he put valid it was Gmail. like literally every Erica, employee we had we tried to get them to like get their family I to do to, it like, I used to do that on the radio I would call into the radio me and like 40 other seniors in high school would call into the radio we got on the radio like every day they'd be like no I'm like no more um, that's really funny yeah so glad, we have this like rapid tag and it was a first generation they've come a long way since then but this one was like very bare bones just kind of a single head uh, the dual flashes and for those of you that have ever used it or maybe those of you that haven't like they're very they're very efficient like they're very quick but like the print quality is like not necessarily the best and there is a lot of room for error and so like if we were doing like large jobs like let's say we had like a 5,000 piece run well that machine would be perfect for it but like you know shirts would fall off or like you maybe wouldn't load quick enough and then all of a sudden you're printing on like the inside of the collar, but it's like folded over. So you're also printing on the outside of the shirt. And there's a lot of errors and like, um, like, you know, rejects from that. So we have this machine sitting in the corner that we weren't using. We had a Geonite hat press sitting in the corner that we weren't using. And Jeffrey had showed me some videos of the heat presses they were making in Bangladesh. Because uh, I don't think he talked about it on his episode, but not only are they like a sprawling like production facility, but they basically have like in-house engineers and mechanics and all this stuff. And they have like a full on custom heat press department where they just build heat presses nonstop um, because the technology is relatively simple. Um, and so he had shown me some video where it was basically just like a rotating station and a heat press coming down. And when I saw the tagger in the corner of my eye and the Geonite press, I realized like, wait a minute, we can put these together and make it work. Um, and so we rigged it up and we used like a, a set, like an IR sensor from um, an M&R flash dryer. So when the pallet went by, it triggered the flash to come down. And that was like a three month project to like figure out how to do that. Um, we, you know, reached out to several people who were much smarter than us to like help us figure it out. Are you, are you just like soldering? Like, with yeah, with pretty much. On. It was like me and, and an employee doesn't work here anymore. Um, and we would just like, okay, what happens if we wire these two things together? What happens if we wire these two things together? Yeah. Red and, to black. And so it's just a lot of black that. And then, uh, finally we, we got it and it was cool and it worked for like, I don't know, a year. And then the sensor started failing. So what would happen is it would just like index and then sometimes it would come down. Sometimes it would come down in the middle of it indexing and it all just sort of fell apart. Um, but I had proven that like, okay, from our heat presses that we had, we were doing like 100 to 150 neck tags like per hour, which is like pretty great. We were pretty stoked on it. But when we got this machine up and running at like full capacity, we we're doing like 325 an hour. Um, so it was huge improvement. And I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is the way it's going to work. Um, and so 
from there, I just started trying to find heat press manufacturers that would help us basically build something that was similar to what we were doing. Um, and we found a partner in China that had a machine that was close and we basically worked with them to like retrofit some things. So it worked a little bit better for our needs. And yeah, now we have an automated. What? Yeah. Like Alibaba? Um, we, we had already had a relationship with this like heat press manufacturer from ones that we had purchased before. Um, but yeah, we, we scoured Alibaba. I probably mm -hmm. wrote to like a dozen different companies. Um, a lot of people came back with like, just a, you know, no, we don't make that type of stuff or, you know, here's our product line. And there wasn't anything in that product line that really worked for what I wanted. Wait, can, in, yeah, I just want to preface, this is called East West Machines, the company. Uh, Eric's too modest to mention it, but it's eastwestmachines.com. It. Chris, if you can pop up, if you can pop up the website and just scroll through it, because it's really cool. There's a video even on here um, of, of what you've made. And, you know, we do some, uh, podcasts where people self solve their own problems. And I find that fascinating because at least for software, it, it feels a lot more doable. Maybe for me, because it's like, okay, I could put this together. I could get this API I would do whatever hardware though. Even, even if you have a starting point, somebody on Alibaba, it, that's a little more mind blowing to me because it's somebody in China, you know, that you're just emailing to hope to get something that actually works to then give feedback and then back and forth, back and forth. So, um, you guys can check that out on there, but okay, sorry. So jump back in. So, so, so you bought this thing. Uh, what was the first version like when you get it in the mail? Did it work? So it took about, two months for them to kind of be able to show us like uh, i want to say like a prototype of of what they had and and i'll preface all this with saying like it, y if you do some sleuthing you can figure out who the manufacturer is it's like it's uh, whatever i don't care like figure it out buy one for yourself from us buy it from them i don't whatever you want to do it, this is just like a good super cool you're too modest industry. no no eric wrong yeah wait and what do you call it is it a rotating heat press is it an I don't Auto, know if we figured out like, like an actual term. I mean, like Stephen, what would you guys? Think? A, a UFO? UFO? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. It's the it's the coolest <laughs> heat press, press on the planet. Um, but to your point, Eric, like dealing R and D and like trying to figure it out and like you're dealing with a manufacturer overseas. What you have people it is think not that fun to do easy. whatsoever. Well, and that, that's why I'm saying like order it from us, order from them. It doesn't matter. Like the, the complexity isn't in the ordering. The complexity is in like the logistics of getting yeah. it from China to here. And we've been, we've been really fortunate that we have had a lot of really successful runs of importing different stuff, um, whether it be goods or equipment or even like our PET film that, that we use. And, and actually we sell to other printers if, if they you know need it. Um, we have a couple of key people that are in China that are actually really good at uh, helping us like vet companies and making sure that like we're not just sending money to strangers that are going to disappear. Um, so like we felt pretty confident and it took about two months for them to kind of develop something for us. That was what we wanted. And then mm -hmm. once we you know saw it and agreed on it, it probably took about another two months of transit time to like get here. Um and then we literally set it up in like 25 minutes and had it running and it was awesome. 
I think that, and, and really like that is what the big manufacturers do, yeah. right? Like the new M&R Copperhead is not built here. It is overseas and people in, you know, same, same with, with, with just about everything from a manufacturing standpoint, what you're doing though, I think is super interesting because you are a small business, right? But then you're taking this leap into like helping the rest of the industry out. And I think the proof of concept is you use it in your own shop. And I think, what do they call that in tech, Bruce? Like dog food or whatever, if you're, what, what's the name for it? Huh? Now that you said that you screwed me up, I think it's called eating, eating your own dog, eating your own dog food or dog, dog fooding, dog fooding. Where because you're using it in your business, <laughs> it's so much easier to sell because it actually has to work for you. And if it didn't work for you, you wouldn't use it in your business. So you wouldn't sell yeah. it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And Really, we were just looking for solutions because we're doing so many neck labels. Like, I mean, I think last, like in July, we did a, a project for a touring band that, you know, I think it ended up being something like 20,000 neck labels that we had to do in a week. Um, and that's on top of uh, our other orders, which like 90% of them are private or rebranded. So we do a lot of, of relabeling here. And it was really important for us to find ways to to do it where we can do more than 150 pieces per hour um, because we have the volume for it. And so it's the, it's the speed that you gain, but can you explain how it's faster to be in a round four station press versus a two station, you know, that goes back and forth if it's one person operating. And then also I went to this one shop that had, like a two station, but the platen was a, like, it looked like teeth and it had maybe four and four so that they would heat press all eight at the same time and, and explain your, so you know, your, really, your thinking there. We wanted something that was going to mimic a auto press. Um, and the reason being is that you load the shirt and it's just continually giving you an area to load. And so you're continually loading that, uh, I, I don't I don't understand how it works. I just know that like time studies have proven circles are faster than yeah, lines. Exactly. And really I think that it's just that like it's continually moving and therefore you're continually right. loading and, and unloading. Whereas like with the the linear versions where they just move back and forth, I mean you only have those two spots to really work with. Um the other thing that we figured out with like our our transfers, because we produce a lot of transfers in-house as well as like bring in the you know previously mentioned super color transfers for our neck labels we have like a threshold of eight to ten seconds so that's literally like how quickly we're we're moving for every single time we're loading and unloading a shirt needs to be loaded and unloaded within let's call it nine seconds um and that just adds up over time because it's just continually going in that circle motion and, and i think if you were to use a shuttle press that goes back and forth because because that's and 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 you guys are selling the shuttles as well. Um, it still takes two. If you're if you want to move fast, you have to do like a hat dance around each other, right? Like someone's got to pull it off quickly, and it's got to cool down for a second, and then the other one's going to go on. And it can be done, um, but the fact that it's going around in a circle now is is mimicking an auto. But you know, for shops that are listening to this, like if you're using full color heat transfers, or if you're doing a lot of heat pressing, not having a pneumatic press is like the killer to like hating heat pressing. You have to have a pneumatic heat press. Can you talk a little bit about just like pressure and temperature control? Cause like I know Bruce's wife has a front one from heat press nation. And sometimes in the background you like hear the like pull going up and it's like, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. If if you want to work out, I mean, I always say working at screen printing or decorated apparel shop is a great, uh, great CrossFit uh, training ground. Um, yeah, so I mean, we we had. Um, I mean, I have like a graveyard of heat presses from stalls, Geonite, Insta, like they're, they're all around our shop. We have tons of them. And um, basically, like we found pretty quickly that if we switch to a pneumatic heat press where it's air driven, there's it's so much like less labor used. And if it's automatically popping up when it's done, um, you don't like run the risk of like over basically overextending it with heat or, or applying too much heat or pressure. Um, so the benefits for us were really is that like, one, you didn't have to like work as hard, really like your focus is on like taking the garments off and on. And, um, and then two, the fact that like the timer allows it to just like auto open and, and lift with ease versus like some of the stalls ones that we had, like it would kind of pop open, but maybe the transfer would like stick to the craft paper or the Teflon on the heating element. And if you weren't around or weren't paying attention, all of a sudden, like a fire could start. So it also seemed to be a little bit safer. Um, with these, honestly, I didn't even think of offering like a non-pneumatic option because like, it just seemed like I think in some people's eyes, it seems like a luxury, but really when you start to like look at pneumatic versus just a standard, it's there's a lot of time savers, uh, time saving and a lot of safety saving as well, um, which were like really important to us. And so, again, we didn't even think about offering a non-pneumatic option. So could you have the platen so that you like in theory, could you double or, or maybe it's not 100 percent double the speed, but if the platens had two stations on each one? that, you know, there's one press pushing down on it, you know, and it's two hooks. Yeah. And, and we've thought about, um, you know, we, we've thought about how we're going to sort of develop this into like the next generation. Is it like, do we add in like additional pallets or, or platens? Do we add in additional heating elements? Like I haven't quite cracked it yet because we're still trying to figure out some like little nuances on, on our machines that we have now. But really when, when you think about adding like double pallets, so you're doing two mm -hmm. tags or, or two prints at once, the time loss from having to load the garment, especially if like you're doing a DTF transfer and you need to load it in a very specific place. Um, I, I haven't fully quite understood uh, the the time study between the two if like if it would be faster or if it is longer because you now have to make sure that two garments are perfectly set before they're heat pressed. Oh, so you're saying the QA part would slow it down? Yeah, I I, I would think so. Yeah, if you're doing like a weird sleeve yeah. or something like that. I think the the other part that's best about them that we love is it's a very simple machine. There's not a yep. lot of electronics on it. Um, and that was always something we struggled with on our other ones is like the screens would go out or the power buttons would go out cause they are drawing a lot of power. Um, these, these draw like a minimal amount of power. I think the non, what the, the shuttle ones yeah, it's run like on a 110. It's like, I think it's like 12 sweet. amps or something. It's, it's so, so small. 12 amps. Which ones do you yeah. have, Steven? We have all of them. <laughs> I think in total, we have like eight. Eight now, I think we just got the oval one or the circuit, the rotary one, and then um, on the website you'll see the pneumatic dual station, the large one. Literally, like every time, I think we place an order like once it's a quarter so for them. I mean, and everyone in the shop, everyone in the like, I can't have yeah. too many Wait, of not them to now. Place an existing one, and but then to the, add to capacity. To add, so like for instance, when we set up Bruce in Chicago mm -hmm. in our pop up I remember store, that. we were doing. 
So there was no more live screen printing. We were doing live heat pressing. And my business partner sells air and gas. And so he actually hooked up nitrogen tanks to it for air, which were pretty sweet. Um, and so we actually now we put them in our retail store on campus. We have them in our pop-up and we've taken them on site. I mean, they're heavy as hell, but they look pretty slick when you're actually pulling it off. And um, what we're actually pitching right now to uh, for like it was just on the phone with the Illinois basketball, like athletic directors and stuff. And we're actually going to do an in-venue night where we actually customize jerseys for a game. Um, and so like the versatility of the machine, if we had a manual heat press in there, I'd be scared that like uh, it doesn't pop right or doesn't do it with there. Like I, I don't really, I'm not really scared of it. Um, so I'm, There's I'm like, so like much, hoarding them you up. You have so much like kind of like hands on, you know, um, need when you're doing non-pneumatic. And then like, if you're at a live pop-up event, like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like, We've done pop-ups with heat presses before, and then it's like always very shaky on whether that table is going to survive, you know, that that like pull up because you have to pull up so much. And then like you can overshoot your pressure and that can like cause all sorts of problems. Like we had we had um, we had a very fancy stalls like press within uh, I think it was auto open. Uh, no, it didn't auto open. But anyway, uh, the like magnet mechanism that allowed it to like pop up not fully open had like broke and so like we don't know how or why but the timer would count down it would finish and it would just beep and it would just stay closed and it broke at a live event and then like someone wasn't paying attention <laughs> and like it started smoking like crazy and we almost had a fire um so yeah after that that was like a big decision of like all right we're really just going to focus on like the pneumatic <laughs> but yeah it's um i don't know i think with the it just takes That'd me be... back to um totally different but it took me back to learning uh and burning shirts in the dryer yep um and that's why I, that's that's just why the i'm smell laughing of a burning a burning, a burning it's just the one <laughs> <laughs> that's there's a smell there's a just like something's burning yeah it just i don't know it just started to become very clear to to me and even to my staff that we're using so many heat applied applications, whether it be DTF or uh, water-based transfers or dye sublimation, um, even like, you know, we use heat presses to like uh, remove moisture from items that we're dye sublimating. So like we find all these like little weird things. Interesting. And as we started exploring it further, I just realized a lot of the heat presses that were commonly available, although they're like really good and they have really good support, they're a little clunky and nothing is like really like, I don't know, reinventing the wheel. And I feel that as DTF is gaining popularity and rightfully so, because it's really, really amazing technology. Um, I don't think it's going to kill screen printing. I think it's for sure going to kill direct garment. Uh, and even if, even if it doesn't direct a garment needs heat presses as well. So it's like every, every application can use it. I mean, even in screen printing, I talk a lot about um, the tool, the Stampinator, which we use on, on all of our presses. I've had a lot of conversations with Jeff from Slant, who owns and created Stampinators, um, about doing like transfers and foil on press. And you can do it, um, but it's a lot more labor intensive and it slows your press down a lot and you need more people. But like, I don't know, heat, pre heat press technology is so simple and so cool and so versatile. So really just kind of like made sense to try and dive into it. 
Yeah, I think DTG within the next... I know a lot of people are converting their DTGs to print DTF transfers, which I think is super cool. But like the DTG manufacturers like Brother and Epson and, you know, I wonder what they're, what's going on in their R&D labs right now um, because they should see the writing on the wall that, you know, you can't DTG on poly. Um, the quality of it isn't as good. Okay, what do you think about now you're also playing yeah. in the hybrid world too, yeah. right? So like you're on literally every end of the spectrum, which I think is super cool because I would call Eric a screen printing purist, right? Like you're, uh, I don't know about like, that. I, you know, I just one of like, those. I don't know. We we figured out a way to good. <laughs> like to be better. Okay. He's re- but, he's but you're like a mad, you're he's like reformed. a, you he are, was. you are, a, you are, you are a mad scientist when it comes to screen okay. printing, especially water-based I'll things, right? Like I don't, I don't, okay. So you're, you are a reformed <laughs> purist Yeah, <laughs> that is now agnostic to yes. all decoration methods. That is an <laughs> um, but like, okay. Which means he has, How he does has it, money to spend. I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I have a lot of, I, I don't know if we really have money to spend. I'm not a, you know, I'm not like either of you, but I, I tend to make what I think are smart decisions and they typically don't turn out to be. Uh, but, but that's another podcast altogether. When you make it big, then you have time and money to spend now on stuff that may or may not work. And uh, you can R&D. Yeah. Like the Elon. Well, the Elon but, Musk. Okay. How does, how does this affect hybrid? Like, do you feel like or is it there's still a big market? Um, it sort of goes yeah. in all directions. It's It's... Hybrid, as I'm learning, is really, um, which shouldn't have been a surprise, but kind of is. It's very complex and nuanced. Um, And I think that there are not a lot of people that understand it in great detail. Um, I've talked with like Mark Coudre a lot about some of these things. And he often tells me stories about like, um, when like the signage industry went from kind of like traditional screen printing into digital and there were like so these sort of like stop gap measures like the hybrid printers we're seeing today um, that kind of bridge it into this sort of like fully digital world that is coming. And so I think it's complementary, but we really dived into the the hybrid because we wanted to understand like digital printing and the digital nuances a lot more. And it seemed like it was a good, good way for us to take our applied knowledge from screen printing and apply it into like a new part of our industry that's still sort of developing. Um, and I think there's a lot of similarities between what we're seeing with like the hybrid or the digital squeegee compared to DTF. I think that that the hybrid printers help um, propel a little bit more like uh, bulk application, where I still think that DTF is it can definitely be done in large volumes. But I think it's still better suited for small to mid volume. Stephen, would you agree with with that? Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, it's 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 it fits a certain need in a certain niche. And I mean, we're. Yeah, we're, so, yeah, we're constantly I, I finding out new stuff all the time. I mean, we're we're like beta testing some stuff for um, a company. I don't even know their name, which makes it uh, easier for me not to talk about it because I'm not supposed to talk about it. But like it will kind of reinvent the way that like from an apparel digital printing side, how we view things, because there's been a lot of advancements in other parts like roll to roll fabric and dye sublimation that don't trickle over to our side of decoration. Um, And so when we bring in tools like DTF or these hybrid printers, there are people out there that are like 
really, really knowledgeable and experienced with the tools that are being used in these machines, but in different applications. And so it's really trying to understand how those applications and the knowledge learned in those applications can benefit our industry. And that's a lot of like what we're working on. Um, I know like that's a big part of like what uh, the R&D, like digital side of MNR, like Michelle Moxley and her team like work on. Um, it's really, really fascinating. And again, it goes back to like what I was saying where hybrid technology is really cool, but it's way more complex than I think it's being sold or or people describe it as. Is that just because it's early? I, I think so. Like, do you think it's just like, it just takes, it, yeah. it just takes time because those machines are super expensive compared to maybe something like transfers, for example, sounds like a lot less expensive than a digital printer at scale. So it's easier to iterate on Not You don't need as much. Capital. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, going from like, if you go from like just getting transfers made to buying a DTF machine to buying one of these like hybrid or digital squeegees, and then going on to the further like hybrid transfer printers, like that's sort of the, the steps, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, in what I see in terms of like the marriage of screen printing and digital. So to your earlier question, I think that they do complement because like, the like super color transfers or DTF transfers can definitely be used for like lower runs. And then like hybrid technology is kind of like mid to large uh, runs. But even that, like there, there's a point where it's diminishing returns. I mean, I think that from, from our experience with like the rock hybrid and we're the only rock hybrid in North America that's actually up and running right now. Like it's still really early for them. I know the digital squeegees have a lot more um, out in the field right now, but I mean, depending on the quality that you want to have, you know, you're looking at 300, 400 pieces per hour, um, which is like pretty slow. And so if you have a 10,000 piece, like full color project, it may be actually cheaper to screen print it because you can do 600, 800 pieces an hour. Whereas like with, the digital solutions, you are absolutely tied to waiting on that digital print. Uh, and it's going to be the same thing for like DTF, right? You can only heat press so many per hour, no matter how many heat presses you have. There just becomes this weird like scale uh, that you have to sort of adhere to when you're working with digital. So, okay, you're obviously um, a mad scientist now. And you work with every piece of equipment now on the spectrum. Why the heck, you know, would you, why do you want to like start a business to, to now supply to the industry? Isn't that like, wouldn't some say like, that's, you're, you're a great screen printer. Why are you getting yeah, into it, equipment manufacturing yeah. and reselling? Can you like, can you, can you talk about your journey to decide? Cause you guys brought in yeah. a significant amount of equipment right? Like we saw the truckloads coming in. They're completely brand, like they're awesome. And we're obviously super happy about it. But like, what Quite were honestly, you thinking? It was, just, it, was, it was selfish <laughs> to begin with, because it was like, well, we need another like semi-automated uh, semi -automated or automated heat press. Like we already know we need another one. Um, and uh, if we're going to do this, like Everyone is always so like, where did you get that? Or like, tell me more about it when, whenever we post about it. So there was, a, there was a quite clearly a need or an interest, I should say, because the need, um, I think, is still, we're still figuring that out. <laughs> but um, I, again, I, as I kind of said earlier, I just looked at all the options and it's like, well, if I'm going to go buy, 
you know, I, I don't mean to name names. I hope that nobody gets mad at me, but it's like, I don't want to go buy a stalls or a Geonite press because I have four of them in the corner. And like these other ones that I'm using that, you know, we've modified or built are like outperforming them and our staff loves to use them versus these other kind of antiquated type of heat press technology. So again, it was a selfish reason of just like, we need more. So let's bring them in. And then once we started talking about buying a couple pieces for us, it was a pretty easy decision to say, well, like it's actually not that much more to just like create them at kind of bulk capacity and then ship them in a container over to us. And that's ultimately like what it came down. Um, how, many, how many do you have? So there's three models that we brought in. Basically, there's there's two linear models. Um, the smaller one, I think, is a six by six imprint uh, area. The larger one is 15 by 20. And then there's the automated version. So I believe we brought in six of the six by six, like the smaller ones, three of the midsize ones. And then we brought in eight uh, of the larger automated ones. Oh, wow. Where are you wow. still? You know, that's, that's a big, big right? problem. Right? Yeah, that we're trying to figure out like <laughs> we've um, <laughs> yeah. outside parking lot. Okay. So, so Eric's trying to move it's like 20 spell. of these machines. Yeah. Um, coupon code. Coupon is there a coupon? Is there a coupon code? If you, if you, yeah, we'll give you 15% this off right away. Easy. Do it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot of money. We're, that we're is a, highly motivated that is a, to make right. space wow. in our warehouse right now. Um, <laughs> I think what's cool is like we all have them and there's a group of us that use them all the time. And so there's like this, this circle of like, yeah, these are the best freaking heat presses. And like, well, and not to brag, but it's like a lot of you all found them because we found them and we were correct. like, these things are fucking amazing. Like, this is what uh, everyone And then we told be. Eric, you should go do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So not that we egg divide or anything, but, uh, I get messages about it all the time and, you know, working with China and all that stuff, it's just so much easier. Like they're literally ready to ship, um, yeah. today, which is pretty sweet. And Eric will actually like travel in the, and will you do the install and do a free w day of water-based training? No. Okay. Uh, pro probably <laughs> not, but, but that, that's the cool thing about these heat presses is like, you literally unbox them. I mean, the, the automated one, Stephen, as you know, like there's a little bit more to like putting them together. But basically it's like it's kind of like Legos where you just put these like panels on. But mm -hmm. the the smaller and the midsize one, they literally open from the box. You connect air, connect power and you're ready to go. It's so simple. Um, and that that's I don't know. That's why I really liked them. And, and I've often said like in interviews and, and talking with people when they're, they ask us like, well, what's your favorite piece of equipment? And it's like that little, you know, dual station, single head, six by six heat press. Like we've had ours for five years now and we've had one piece break because somebody slammed it too hard. And it was like a three minute change and zero problems. It's yeah, all the parts you can buy from like Granger or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. If, if, if there is anything that goes out, um, we have not had a single failure yet. And we got them, I think, at the beginning of COVID, I want to say. Cool. So, Bruce, you're going to have to get air hookups in your house so Crescent can heat press <laughs> with a pneumatic machine. Bruce is like going to be at Home Depot Dude, buying a compressor. I was shocked how, how heavy the one we got from Heat Press Nation was. They are so heavy. <laughs> it like heavy. shows up so and Crescent's like, I can't bring it in. I'm like, you can't? Like, it can't be that. She texts me and I was like, all right, fine, I'll pick it up. And you guys are both you so know, strong. You both, you both have, you know, you're so fit with so many muscles and you couldn't Dude, lift that heat press? Come I on. think also because it's so awkwardly shaped, it's like... yeah. 
you don't want to like grab the handle and break something. So then you pick it up and it's just, it's clearly just when we move ours, it feels like a casket. Like it takes four people to be like ever. And it, it is, yeah, it is, uh, it's not pretty to get through a door. It does fit through a door, but yeah. it is just a little, a little clunky. So, um, it needs wheels. It is a, Does it ship with wheels? Uh, it got, well, so the automated ones, we are, um, starting to include casters on them because we put it in my casters, which is like pretty rad. And I'll, I'll send you the info, Stephen, for yours. Um, right. so you guys can put casters on it. Yeah. We put ours, um, we put them on like, uh, we built like a small pallet for them yeah. so we can, we can move them around the shop and stuff. Um, but yeah, they are super versatile. So um, what, what is the next thing? Like, do you want to start pushing this? This this business. I mean, you got the site yeah, up. So you literally have the we, you know a cool logo. Uh, we we have it all built and ready to go. We've um we've been kind of quiet about it just because like we wanted to wait until we had like our fully branded machines in. Like everything you see on the website right now are like the machines that we've we call them our like our prototypes. I mean, they're they're stuff that we've like modified on ours. Um, but we just needed to get something up because originally like the idea was like when we placed the order, we were gonna set them up for pre-orders. Um and that went okay. Uh but really like it's we didn't push it at all because we got busy and then also because we wanted to really show like what the newer version would look like. And so I think even today, um our team is like uncreating them and setting that stuff up. So hopefully by next week, we'll actually have some like updated content and really like start pushing it a little bit further. Um, you know, it's still a side business and like, I'm really good at starting businesses and then neglecting them, uh, which is like really cool. Don't say mainly, that. <laughs> mainly because night owls takes up so much like bandwidth yeah. and capacity. That it's, it's like the hard. support and, and everything that comes with it. And also it's like, I have what, like what's the know, fun 35 part, employees at night owls. Like what am I going to be like? Nah, like you guys fend for yourself. <laughs> it's like, we're getting to that point where I, I don't need to be as involved, which is cool. Cause I can like focus on stuff like this, but there's still, you know, I still have to focus on that because there's other livelihoods aside from mine that are involved with it. Um, and I don't want to just like, be like best of luck figure it out um because it doesn't always work that way i i think what's super cool like uh we've looked up to you all like it's funny is like you're working on this new project right um brett's working on made lap justin lawrence is opening tattoo shops and disc golf <laughs> course it's cool to watch you know people in our industry that have been they're kind of working on like their next decade of business and it's really really fascinating to see like what the next moves are do you ever see yourself going to trade shows and setting this thing up you know, we've we've been asked like um, getting on YouTube. Hey, this is Eric from East West. Hey, this is Eric no. from oh, East West. Oh yeah, um, I, I've talked to like I've talked to some folks like even with um, Alex Mimoser from Easy Way and Blue Water Labs. Like we've had some conversations about you know trying to maybe explore a little bit more about like the the best way to put it is that in. Asia, there are so many printing tools that are made and created that we have no idea about, like in North America. Um, and it'd be interesting to explore some of those things and, and see if there are things that could make our industry easier and better by like helping to bring in these tools. Like, like a good example, and this is a very specific case usage. So like, please don't think that I'm saying this is a tool that everyone needs, but like we, we got our oval, we got our oval three years ago, like right before the pandemic. And like, 
our oval is massive. It's 36 pallets. Now, you know, 36 pallets is, yes, it's a lot. But what's also quite a lot is realizing that, like, you have to put pallet tape on all those pallets. You have to adhesive all those pallets. You have to scrub the uh, lint and adhesive off those pallets. So, like, pretty early on, I started, like, looking around saying, like, is there an automated solution for this? Because, like, this eats up an hour to two hours of press time when we have to change pallet tape, put adhesive on, uh, or even, like, scrub pallets. It just takes a lot of time. Um and there is like like in China, the ovals are like pretty prevalent and somebody built literally a pallet scrubber. Um, it's 30 something thousand dollars. So it's not really like something I'm that interested in investing in. But like who in North America is thinking about buying an automatic pallet scrubber? Um, Damn. You know what I mean? Like, what is it like a car wash? Yeah, like pretty for, much. Like it's, it's like, it's like on a track. <laughs> it, it looks like the rock hybrid, like the same like case, like casing style. And it's on a track and yeah. it has just basically these brushes that spin and then like a tray that catches everything that's like flicking from it. Uh, I mean, that's the same as like squeegee cleaners and, you know, yeah. and, and all that. Um, there, there should be a field trip that you guys plan once a year to go to China and like, just go look yeah, at all the sounds cool like we just stuff. need to go to Asia it's, it's and been, just do uh, really cool shop tours. And Jeffrey and I talk like about this a lot. Light years ahead. Like, there's tons of trade shows in Asia, uh, whether it's, it's China, Vietnam, like even like Bangladesh has some, um, and then, you know, the large ones like FESPA and, um, I forget what the other mm. one is. But. I went to Fespo once, which uh, is very cool. Yeah, really? I saw a machine. It was in Barcelona. Further from the rock uh, tour, we then went to the Fespo show. I saw a machine that took a roll of fabric and a plastic bin of stuffing, and it a uh, uh, arm grabbed the the fabric, cut it at the length, sewed it over, then opened it up with another arm, a vacuum thing sucked out the, the puffing, whatever, sprayed it into the fabric, then sewed it closed. So now you've got a pillow, then puts it in a plastic bag, squishes it down, puts it in a box, closes the box with the other four or five pillows and tapes it and out the end of the machine. I mean, you watch this happen at the show at the end of the machine comes a box of four or five pillows in it bagged individually and taped and closed. And Jeff, ba- and then it says Amazon basics on the top of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the prime tape goes across it. I mean, I was like, Whoa, that's unbelievable. Yeah, there's so much technology out there that's like so cool. Um, and I feel like we only see a fraction of it. And I don't know, you guys talk about it a lot. And, and within our like kind of group, we talk about it a lot too, where there's just like, I, th- this industry has just been so stagnant kind of for so long. And I think like that's why DTF is like super exciting, I think too, because it's changing so much and really quickly. Um, I mean, DTG was kind of the same way when it was sort of introduced to you, but. I think there's all these like large movements happening and it's like, how long did it take for DTF to make its way over here from when it was like developed in, in Asia? You know, I, I don't know what that timeline was. I don't know if it was a month. I don't know if it was a full year, but it seems like for our industry, we're sort of stuck in kind of older ways and I'm continuing. But, but I think also, like accessibility to newer technology is so much easier. You can go on Alibaba right yeah. now and search every manufacturer and talk to them on WhatsApp and go back and forth and they can air freight you something in a month. Whereas like 
before Ollie, what did you have to do? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Go over there. You, like you had to have sourcing, sourcing partners, which like I, yeah. I remember trying to find sourcing um, partners for fabrics and like cut and sew stuff. Uh, and a, a really good book is Shoe Dog, the Phil Knight Nike book. Okay. And he talks about like building the shoe and going back and forth and like dealing with them. And like the samples would take seven months and they might not come. <laughs> like, I, I think technology is so much more accessible. And then we're also like the barrier to entry is so much lower that we can connect right to those manufacturing. I mean, that's like manufacturing to consumer. Yeah. That's what Alibaba is essentially doing. Yeah. Um, and so why not? Right. Like, doesn't that just, just like increase competition and, and quality and everything and like level up everyone. I think that's totally cool. And, and I think that's always been like a big goal of what kind of Val and I've tried to do here is just like, we're, we're just continuing to like make ourselves better. And in turn, hopefully like other people will see that, like if these, if these dummies can do it, like anyone can really do it, which is quite honestly the truth. And so it's like, I don't know, we, we really try to just continually like push ourselves and push what our company is doing. So we are raising that bar and helping it to kind of not, I don't want to say like, raise what the industry standard is, but, but basically make it. So it's like, we are able to set ourselves apart from a lot of other people because there is a quality level that we want to achieve. And I think by continuing like pushing our boundaries, whether it's like with these heat presses or heat press application or, you know, being fully water-based or now introducing these digital components, like we're just continually trying to really learn, learn more um, so that we can do better and make our, staff and our companies like lives easier that's huge i think you got a lot of potential here Eric. so this is this is really cool to see i I think especially not only in the enterprise i'll call it enterprise market but you know obviously heat presses are huge for people at home and um uh, shops getting started too so uh super cool to see it and if you ever go to one of those shows over in Asia or FESPA or something again, let me know. I'd love to yeah. go. I think Alex and I were, were talking so about trying cool. to plan a trip for a bunch of us. Like I know Jeffrey and I have talked about it a bunch too. Um, but with obviously with COVID it's been, you know, Field yeah, trips. A tricky too. This is super yeah, cool. Definitely. Give me posted. All right. Check it out. East West machines.com. Or just come to Houston Give it and a go. Come watch and, the videos come and see it in our shop. If you want, I mean, we use them. Yeah. Or, yeah, I actually just saw a shop was going to visit you guys um, to take a look and maybe I'll try to swing by. We've got four like three years, three years, four September years waiting two, for Bruce to come by. He always says he will. You know, we'll see. <laughs> I love to. I was actually it's so cool to see. Um, I only saw Eric's older shop, which was in like a neighborhood. Yeah. So in Houston, there's no um, zoning. So we're it was still a weird part of town, but like. He's, he gave me the address and I was like, I think this is wrong. Cause it was like house, 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 house. And then it Shop. was like, here, it, you're here. And it was also a house, but then in the back was like, uh, like a barn yep. type, uh, and, but it was like in a it's suburb, weird. like, so, you know, that, and so that's why I was, you know, adjusting to the South of us was living in a trailer. Uh, our neighbor to the north of us had like a goat farm in his backyard and then two properties down was a 4.5 million dollar building that they just built so like that's houston in a a print shop yeah um this will be cool because when this releases all of eric's new pictures are going to be up because this is what he's going to take to his team and be like oh shit now now really set that fire so so you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) this is how we're holding you accountable to getting getting this up in the air uh but last second slided 
This is super cool. We'll have to we'll have to cover this just like throughout the year. And um, if this is the reason you sell out, uh, you can send you know send us the commission. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Um, we appreciate. Well, thank it. you both for having me on Sweet. to talk about this. I appreciate it. Pretty yeah, cool. for sure. This is Eric Solomon. I think those. I think cool. that's it. Check it out.